sing a song that declares the goodness of the Lord and states our faith. 
It's a bold declaration, and that's one of the reasons I love this song. So let's sing it together. Living in the light of my Savior, dancing in the arms of forever. I'm singing like I'm walking on water. You are life alive in me. I give my life to follow. Your love is
God, we praise your name in this place. We're thankful that we can just come here and worship your name freely because of who we know you are and because of the things that we have yet to see but we know is true in your word. And in Psalm 139, you remind us that you created our inmost being and you knit us together in our mother's womb. And I think that's a bit of a crazy thought because I don't think we can fully comprehend what that even means. Except for you're worthy, God. Before you created the world, before you created light even, you knew each one of us by name and you loved us. And so, God, I'm thankful for that truth. And we love you because of it. And we praise you in Jesus' name.
Lord, we love you, we worship you, we exalt you as the priority in this place. Thank you so much for being here with us, Lord God. And we ask all things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, church. Welcome to the person next to you to church and that they're here. Tell them they look good. Get to know their name. Good morning, everybody alive. Come on, people. Listen, do you see what's coming through those windows? Like, this is a this is a big day in Pittsburgh, people. Sun is happening here, right? The 12 we get a year. We're thankful for it. Um, guys, we're glad you're here, and uh, we have some things to share with you. I've invited Wade to talk about this exciting class coming up called Foundations. And as he's sharing this, would you guys pass the, the friendship folder? So, Wade, you're teaching a class called Foundations, and it's yes, happening Foundations. on what day? Well, so it's happening on March, beginning March 15th, and I've told a few people that it would start at 9.15, but I was confused. March 15th, it says in the bulletin at 9.30, maybe we'll get started by 9.30, and it's the classroom on the left, which I didn't know at the first service, but it's right here, B206, so that's where we'll be, and there's coffee in that room, so if there's not coffee out here, I know where there's more coffee. So, but uh, foundations, it was uh, advertised earlier as the discovery class. Um, as in any structure, building, you need a good foundation. And sometimes as you get a little older, you got to go down and check out that foundation. So if you're new, we'd love to have you. If you've been around a long time, we'd love to have you. And we'll start in a couple weeks. How do people sign up? Um, if you show up, we're going to let you in. But if you want to take this green piece of paper out of your bulletin and write your name on it, you can bring it to the Welcome Center. Cool. Thanks, Wade. Stick here, stick around here for a minute. Hey, so if you want to sign up for that Foundations class, so, so for some of you, you're kind of like, who's it for? It's, it's, it, again, it's like Wade said, if you've been here for a while, maybe you've grown up in church, or maybe you're like, I'm, I, ju- I, I just gave my life to Jesus not too long ago, and I'm kind of like, what's next? This is the class for you. You know, who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is Jesus? What is this, this, this book called the Bible? You know, that's what this class is all about, is, is developing a good foundation uh, for, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so um, you can sign up with that little lime green piece of paper in your bulletin. You can drop it in the offering plate or the box in the back of the room, or you can bring it to the Welcome Center. Or uh, if it's uh, more your way or whatever, uh, you can do it on the front page of our website. And there's a little bit more information on the front page of our website. Um, the second class that's, that's, that's happening on March 15th is Financial Peace University, um, and so that's going to be at the 11 a.m. time slot, and it's going to be in room 207. And so you can see more information on our website. You can sign up on our website or in that piece of paper uh, for Financial Peace in your bulletin. And so, you guys, you're going to see a whole bunch of uh, different events that are coming up. And so one more thing uh, that's happening on March 15th is the Egg Hunt Interest Meeting. So the Egg Hunt is going to be on April 4th, and we're going to have an interest meeting to share what's all happening, how's it going to, how's it going to roll. Egg, yeah, eggs. Yeah. Yep. 
that was not planned. <laughs> Zach usually will check my puns if I have to do them. But anyway, that was, that was yeah, that was an accident. Um, but that's going to happen on the 15th. It's going to be right after the second service in here for about an hour. We're going to talk, you know, details. We're going to share the schedule. We're going to get everybody uh, connected onto a team and serving at this incredible event as we really just want to see people come to know Jesus and see people get connected here at Crossroads or at a church. That's our, that's our goal. Uh, so that's going to be on March 15th. And then I'm going to ask the ushers this morning to come forward as we receive our morning offering. Um, ladies paint nights happening on the 6th. And then March Madness is happening towards the end of the month on the 20th and the 21st. And that information is on the front page of our website. Um, you can also stop by the Welcome Center. But we're looking forward and, and asking God to do big things. Wade, would you pray over offering this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your church and that we can be here, be part of it today. We pray that you'll bless now as we take the offering. And Lord, we thank you that we can worship you by giving back part of what you've given to us. In Jesus' name. begin our series, actually we're finishing up our series today. We're going to start a new series next week on the parables of Jesus. I'm really looking forward to that as we get get going closer to Easter. Uh, Jesus talked with a number of parables. He used an earthly story to tell us a heavenly meaning. So we're going to be looking at some of the parables of Jesus. It's going to be fantastic. We started out three weeks ago. Some assembly required, we're talking about a husband and wife, the relationship between the man and the woman with the husband and wife and the marriage relationship. Then last week we took that and we went a little bit further. We talked about the family. And as we get started today, um, I'm reminded of the family of God up here, reminded of uh, how how much work it takes to, to build the family of God. You know, it, it really does. This is a special place. God's given us something very special here and as we get into this this morning, I, I just want you to pray for a few of the people in our church that I know that are going through a hard time. Uh, John Morton passed away this week. Betty and John Morton were members of this church for 50 years. 50 years, folks. Can we thank God for people like that? 50 years. <clears throat> John Morton passed away. He, uh, at one point, he was a deacon in the church. 
He used to help serve in the youth group in the church. He did all kind of things in the church. When I was a kid, I remember him and his wife. His wife was known for her chalk talks. She used to do these these paintings. And back in that day, you had a, a black light, and it would just really pop. And, I mean, it was incredible what she used to do. She loved the Lord. These people loved God. And in their recent days, even in their aging years, have been faithful to the church, faithful to God here. They uh, are part of Roger Metcalf's Sunday school class. John passed away this past week. And he'll be, uh, his viewing will be today at, down at Marshall Morrow's in Monongahela from 1 to 3 and 5 to 7 with a funeral service tomorrow morning. But I want, I want to ask you to pray for the, for the Morton family. You know, I, I'm honored to be, to be around a church that has family like that. People that have been here that have given their life that are faithful. Like that, that's what God's called us to be. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness faithfulness. And as I look around the church, I see people like that that have built and talk about some assembly required. They could teach the class, man. They know how they they know the work. They know the pain. They know the struggles of of building their own family and sacrificing and and giving so that we can be here today. Uh, I know uh, several several years ago, I was hearing some of them talk about how that they sacrificed so they could actually build this place like people giving their jewelry because they didn't have money. They gave their jewelry to the church so that they could build this church that you're in. So can we thank God for the foundation that's been laid here? Amen. What a great God we serve. These people have given, given their heart and their soul to the point of sacrifice. And then I also want to ask you to pray for another one of our dear saints, just a dear, dear lady in our church, Sharon Gamender. <clears throat> Sharon Gamender volunteers in our office. She comes in every day. She's up at this church five to six days a week, um, volunteers, and has done so for the last 12 to 15 years. Her husband was Ron Gamender. If you knew Ron Gamender, your life will never be the same. And those of you that knew him, you're laughing right now because Ronnie was a character. And, uh, and, and so he, he, was, he was a gem. And uh, their story of how they came to Christ here many years ago. Sharon Gamender uh, was uh, at her with her son last night, and uh, I guess she fell and broke her hip. And so uh, I want to ask you to pray for Sharon. She'll be having uh, hip surgery tomorrow, and uh, just just be in prayer for them. You know, when I get around and I see these uh, the, the the saints of our, uh, you know, I call they are they're saints. It's what God says. And, in the opening of some of the New Testament letters, he says to the saints at that church, uh, we are, we are saints. We are, you know, we are his children. So these are some of the people that I really love. I love our church. I thank God for them. And I thank God for you. And I want us to be remembering these people. You know, we, we're, we, we've got a lot of exciting things going on. We're going to go to Ecuador this summer. If you want to go to Ecuador, I'm looking for you. Next Sunday night, I'm going to have a meeting here at 6 o'clock. I want you to pray about it. If you're not sure about it, still come to the meeting. We're going to start getting airline tickets and moving all that to get people over there. But that will be next Sunday night at 6. But I, I just want you to think about this. All the stuff that we're dealing with here in the church, we, we are surrounded by people that have given their lives. When I think of people like the Mortons, I think of people like the Gamenders, I'm humbled. I'm humbled to be your pastor. I'm humbled and I love you. I love our church. And, and you know, have I told you lately that I love you? And I just want you to know that. I love you. Because the shepherd's heart is strong here today. And whether, whether you're new or you've been here for 50 years, uh, this is an incredible family. Amen? It really is. And it's a joy that God would call us to be here. And uh, so let's just, let's just start 
today. Would you join me in prayer? I would like to just lift up these families, and I'd like for you just to really lift up the Gamenders in prayer, and, and also the Mortons. If, if you know them, please stop down. And uh, even if you don't, stop down and give her a hug. I'm sure she'll be impressed by that. Father God, I pray this morning, Lord, for those that are hurting in our church. God, there are many, many needs that I wouldn't have the opportunity or the time this morning to share with our congregation at large. Lord, I know that many are struggling, many are in pain, many are experiencing loss. And God, I lift up to you right now just uh, those that have experienced the loss this week. Lord, I lift up to you Betty Morton. God, we thank you that John has uh, has left this earth and went into the presence of God Almighty. I thank you for his love for you, his commitment to you, his passion for you. Thank you for the way he faithfully served you for a lifetime. And God, I pray that uh, you'll be with Betty and, and surround her and her children today. May the people of God from the church here, Lord, may they uh, just inundate her and love her, Lord, and just, just let her know that she is not forgotten. God, I, I lift up to you, Sharon Gamender, Lord. She is a faithful, humble servant of yours. She's given her life here. Her and her husband devoted their life to serving. And, and in the last 12 years, as, uh, as her husband went on to be with the Lord, she still kept serving. And she didn't miss a beat. And she's an unsung hero in a quiet background, doing what she can do with every moment of her life. God, I pray for Sharon in that hospital today, Lord. May she know that she is loved by you. May she know that she is loved by this church. And God, I just ask that you'll strengthen her. Be with Brian. Be with Michelle, Lord, as, uh, as her children are, are caring for her and loving her. We just ask for your strength uh, for, for this uh, rough time that she's in today, Lord. So uh, we, we know that you're with her. We know that you'll never leave her nor forsake her. God, we, we pray for our, our family at large here, God. I know that you're moving and that many people are hurting. I lift up many hurts and needs to you. I thank you, Lord, for to be surrounded by such a cloud of great witnesses here in the church, Lord. People that have served. People that, that when they were young gave their heart and soul to this place. They went on the missions trips. Uh, they, they sacrificed. They gave to the point where it hurt. God, I pray you'll rise up the next generation to do the same. God, make us people who will be faithful, who will ride the waves of the ups and the downs, who will hold on to Jesus Christ. Thank you for these witnesses that you've given to us. They are so powerful, and I pray that you will uh, be with us as we seek to love them. In your name we pray. Amen. As we continue today, I thought what I would share with you is, you know, the very first week of this series, I asked you to put God first. Because if you put God first, then you're going to have an incredible marriage. And so that's easy to say that, but what's the how-to? Like, how do you do that? How do you have a friendship with God? You know, the, the Scripture says that we can be the friend of God. We are the friend of God. And, and, it's, and so it's like, well, how do I become the friend of God? You, you think of God many ways. The Scripture says that He's, you get to call Him Father. You get to call Him Creator. He's your maker. He's your judge. He's your master. He is the savior. He is so many names in the scripture. And yet this morning we get to see that he is, he is your friend. Like how can this be that the God of the universe wants me to be his friend? I get to be the friend of God. James 4 8 says this, says draw near to God. All right. We'll throw this on the screen there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Check that out. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You, the, 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 the verb for you is to draw near to God. What does God do when you draw near to Him? He draws near to you. And, and, and you think about this and it's like, wow, how does that happen? God says, if you'll come close to me, I'm going to come close to you. Now, friendship with God, that is how it all started. We're in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Uh, we see Adam and Eve are placed in a garden. He makes the first humans. He places them there. And he puts them there for what? What does he put them there for? For human relationship. That, that's part of it. But their bigger relationship was with God. He wanted them to be the friend of God. He said, I want you to be, I want to have fellowship with you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. And so they, they had this great relationship, and it was an incredible thing. You know, when God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't build a church. He didn't say, go over here on Sunday and meet me. No, 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 no. It was like, this was a daily, everyday fellowship with God. And then what happens? Sin enters the picture, and the friendship gets broken. And so it's like any relationship, when there's something that comes in the way of a a friendship, it's broken. Well, the friendship with God was broken when sin entered the picture. And God says, listen, I still I still love you, I still care for you. And God goes all the way to the cross to take care of that. But as you go through the Old Testament, you don't see a whole lot of people being known as the friend of God. There were a few of them. Abraham was, uh, was known as the friend of God. Moses was known as the friend of God. Um, David was known as the friend of God. Enoch was the friend of God. Job was known as the friend of God. But people in general did not see themselves as the friend of God. They did not understand that concept. As a matter of fact, they had a concept more of guilt. They had a concept of the priest that would prepare to go into God's presence once a year for their sin. And they, they, they would remember the Day of Atonement. They would remember these days that the priest would go in and make an animal sacrifice, uh, the, the blood sacrifice that would be a covering for their sin. Uh, and and all, all was a foreshadowing of, the, of Jesus, of what he would do on the cross. But in the Old Testament, you don't see this whole concept of the friend. But my friends, this morning when Jesus came to this earth, he died on the cross. In the temple there was a veil. And it was uh, behind the veil was this holy of holies. That's when the priest would go in there once a year and he would go in they had bells on his on his uh on his uniform that he wore. And he would go in there and they wanted to make sure they could still hear the, hear the bells because if he died, it was bad news. They, they wanted to make sure it was, this was the holiest place. And that's the only time they could go in there. Not everybody else could go, but the high priest. So God says, and when he comes to rescue you, he says, I'm going to take care of this and you can now become the friend of God. And that when Jesus died on the cross, literally the veil was torn. Like, we're getting ready for Easter. We're, we're no doubt going to talk about that. But the veil was torn. Like, this curtain, that, like, it ripped apart, symbolizing, showing us that we now have access to God. We can be the friend of God. Look here in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. Verse 10. For if we were the enemies, uh, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. How much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Here's what reconciled means. Reconciled means you were once the enemy of God. Now you're no longer an enemy. But it goes a step further. Reconciled would be, listen, I, am, I was once an enemy of God. 
Uh, now I'm in good standing. It's more than good standing. You're his friend now. You're his friend now. Did you ever reconcile a checkbook? Some of you are like, what's a checkbook, right? Did you ever reconcile something? You know, there, you, you have to go through and you have to, you have to make sure everything's taken care of. That's what God did on the cross. He died on the cross to pay for your sin and he reconciled it. He took care of it. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now received this reconciliation. He, he took us from being an enemy of God to being the friend of God. But yet, in this friendship, we're going to talk today about how do we build that friendship. I love what Romans 5.10 in another, another translation says. It says that we were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son, while we were still his enemies. While we were still his enemies. So we certainly, so we will certainly be delivered from the eternal punishment by his life. Ooh. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us the friend of God. Reconciled. We're no longer the enemy. We're now friends. And so you can't buy this friendship. You can't earn this friendship. You can't bribe God. You can't go and make a deal with God. The only deal that was ever made was on the cross. Amen? That's the only deal. And it was a plus. And that's why we keep that plus sign on the wall for you every Sunday. Yeah, that is what this church is always about and it will always be about is the deal that Jesus made once for all forever. You don't make the deal. He made the deal. Praise God for that this morning. Amen. We just praise Him. He's a great God. And because He made the deal, because He sent His own Son to pay the price, The Scripture says that He who knew no sin became sin for us because He came and He paid the price. Jesus said to His disciples over in John 15, 15, He says, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. I call you my friends. That word friends in the Hebrew, in in the Greek, the original writing, it is, it gives the idea of a very close, personal, deep, intimate, Friend. It's kind of like the best man at your wedding. Remember the best man at your wedding? You know, the guy who stood right beside you before you took the plunge? You know what I mean? That guy who was standing right beside you? The guy who was number four out there? He didn't have to be as close to you, right? You could have just found him on a street anywhere. But the best man, right? The best man. He was your friend. He was tight. And that's what God says to you. I call you friend. It's like going to the king, to the inner court of a king. And you see a king, you know, when you go, you go to see a king, you have to go through all the stately pomp and circumstance of, of being in a king's presence. And, and, uh, and that's kind of cool how that all happens. But whenever you come there, the king also has tight friends and they're on the inner circle. That's the tight friend God says that you are. You're tight to the king of kings and to the lord of lords. He says that you are close contact to the king. Um, years ago, remember we used to sing a song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Oh, what peace we often forfeit because we don't come to him in prayer because we don't talk to him. Wow. It's extremely important that we remember that God is a friend and that you develop your friendship. Like, how do you grow a friendship? 
Your, your, your friendship has to grow. You have to grow this friendship. Look what Exodus 34:14 says. You must worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose name is, his name is jealous, as a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you, and he says that he is passionate about it. He is jealous. In other words, he is not going to compete with somebody else. He is not going to compete with the small gods, the small G gods of this world. What are some of the, the gods of this world that we all, from time to time, serve? The God of money, the God of success, the God of sex, popularity, pleasure. It could be anything, and the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, it breaks God's heart because he's passionate about a relationship with you. And he tells us, and, and when we see it in the Old Testament, we see it drawn out that he says he is jealous. No other gods before me. Why? The very reason that you were created was to have a friendship with God, to have this relationship, to have fellowship with him. It's not something that you were supposed to wait until you die. You get to have this friendship with him right here, right now. Look over in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. The Apostle Paul is preaching and he's telling the people the good news of Jesus. Look what he says. He says, from one man, Adam, he created all the nations through the whole earth. So Adam and Eve, he places them in the garden. He creates, the, creates this and they go through all the nations of the earth come out of these two. We're all descendants from Adam and Eve. You may be, uh, you may be European, you may be Hispanic, you may be just plain old Pittsburgh. Wherever you're from, God says you all came back from Adam and Eve, right? And, uh, and so, the Heinz 57 mix, we're all from, from there. He says, one man God created at, from Adam and Eve, all men cre- were created throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. So these nations, he decided when they would come and when they would go. And he determined their boundaries. It was kind of cool a few weeks ago, as I'm looking at this verse, that we had the missionaries here going to Serbia. And then I think it was in our first service, they said, well, we lived in Yugoslavia, which is no longer Yugoslavia. It's now Serbia. And they were talking these different countries. And then we lived in this country, and it no longer exists, and it's now these countries. And they said, and now today we come visiting you from Canada, and we hope that that country still exists in a few years. You know, because they were saying everywhere that they lived no longer existed. And uh, that was uh, Jan and Anna Franca. I, I, I loved hearing that. But, you know, it's so true. This is what the Apostle Paul said. He says that God knows what's going on. Folks, we don't have to be alarmed out there because God knows. And he says, listen, from all that, God determined their boundaries. He knew what would happen. He knows us all. And then look at verse 27 as we continue this morning. He says, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. The very purpose that God did all this from Adam and Eve was for you, for me, regardless of race or creed, to come to Jesus Christ and to follow him. That's what it was all about, that we would seek after God, though he is not far from any one of us. He is not far. God is not distant. He is here. And he says, listen, the very reason that you exist is for you to turn to God, for you to have this relationship with him. So the question is, how do I as a flawed human being? Here I am. I'm just little Ken Barner, little town of Finleyville. How do I have a relationship with the most powerful, omnipotent creator of the universe? How does that even happen? 
Well, the cross, right? Jesus died on the cross. Well, how does it happen? I know how to build a friendship today with another human. You have to talk to them. You have to spend time with them. You do a bunch of things, right? How do I do that with God? I'm going to give you five thoughts today. And, and I want you to write them down because this is going to help you in growing your friendship with God. How do I grow my friendship with God? How do I put it together? Number one, I intentionally seek God. Be intentional and seek Him. You know, any friendship that is not intentional will die. And that's just all there is to it. I have a few friends around the country. And uh, it's kind of cool. Every now and then I can pick up, call them, and it's like picking up where we left off. But it's not the same as having a friendship that is ongoing. And so God says, listen, I want you to intentionally seek after me. I'm going to give you something that's very practical that you can do. Tomorrow morning, before you get out of bed, like you have your routine. You know what happens. You hit the snooze button 18 times. You know your routine. You go for coffee first, shower, whatever your routine is, you know your routine. I want you to inject this in there. Before you get out of bed, come to God and say, God, I'm here, and I want to know you more today. Like, maybe you have to get a plaque, and you can make it real beautiful and hang it up at the end of your bed. Put it on your ceiling. Put it anywhere that you have to see it that will remind you, I'm here to intentionally seek you. And, and make this, like the very first thing before. You know, many people in our world, we, we, go, to the, we go to this stuff first. And it rattles our cage. It really does. Whether, whether you're checking news, social media, anything. It messes with us. We're, we're destroyed. God says, no, 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 no. I want you to intentionally seek me. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Look here um, what the scriptures tell us. This was Paul in Philippians 3.8. Paul says this. He says, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ. Everything else is worthless when I compare it to knowing Christ. I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may know Christ. So this is my question to you today. If this is worth everything and all these other things over here are worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ, why do I spend so much time being a garbage picker? You know how I know about that? When I grew up, I was a garbage picker. In Dormont, I lived in Dormont, and we went around and we went to neighboring communities that had a little bit better stuff that they threw away than in our community. And we'd see stuff on Monday night, Tuesday night with their trash nights. We knew all their trash nights. And we would say, wow, can you believe they're throwing that away? And I would go pick that up, and I would take it to my house. I'd clean it up, and I'd put a for sale sign on it and sell it. I was a garbage picker. You had fun with that, right? Every now and then, I still do that. Not with my wife in the car. My wife goes, oh my goodness. You know, it's been a long time, but I had to give that up. That's part of marriage, you know. Some guys had to give up. I had to give up garbage picking when I got married, you know. Uh, my wife's like, you're not doing that. I'm like, but look at that lawnmower. She goes, there's a reason it's out there. Yeah, the filter's clogged. I can fix it, you know. 
Listen, here's what happens. We spend all of our time in the rubbish. If nothing compares to this, listen, all these things over here, there doesn't mean that some of them aren't important. Your career, you have, to, you have to do well. You have to take care of your house and your family and all these things. But he says, compared to this. Compare it. And yet, where do I find that most people live? They go this way. They spend all their time in the garbage. And the thing that matters the most gets the least attention. And you know what happens when the thing that matters the most gets the least attention? It shrivels up. It's going to die. Jeremiah 29:13 said, "You will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Like you're going to find me when you seek me with everything that you have. Now that's God's word, folks. This isn't, this isn't me. This is God telling you, if you want to grow your friendship with God, seek Him. He, he told us in James, draw close to God, He draws close. Seek Him. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This is what God's called us to do, is to, to seek after Him. Um, and so I ask you this morning, are you doing that? Are you seeking Him with all of your heart? Uh, Not just on Sunday. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, morning, noon, night, all day long. Are you you seeking Him? And I want to encourage you with this thought. And you might want to write this down. I am as close to God as I choose to be. I am as close to God as I choose to be. If God said, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you, then you are as close to God as you've chosen to be. Now, you may have all kind of problems that are happening out here. You might have all kind of things that are happening in life. But listen, through all that, God says to draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. What do we typically do when our world gets rocked? We run. We run from God instead of coming to Him, instead of seeking Him with all of our heart. Psalm seventy-three twenty-eight says, It is good for me to draw near to God. It is good. Like my soul, it is good for my soul to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I might declare all your works. Second thought this morning is to slow down and just enjoy Jesus. Just slow down and be quiet. Like a friendship is like all other friends. If you don't invest in it, you won't have the friendship. If you don't spend time, you have to make time for it. If you don't make time for a human friendship, then you won't have that friendship very long. And if you don't make time for your friendship with God, you're going to be distant, it's going to be shallow, and it's not going to grow. Look at Psalm 4610. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Would you read the first line with me? Be still and know that I am God. Just get quiet. Some translations use the word quiet there. Be quiet. Get alone. Calm your heart. 
Listen, the world is falling apart around you. He says, be still and know that I am God, for I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God says, there's nothing that's happening out of my command. You can be still and know that He is God. And what that does for us is it is transformational. It will calm your heart and soul down. And when you just become silent before God, And in our world, it seems so awkward, doesn't it? But God said, that's when you're going to hear me. That's when you're going to grow the friendship. And I get it. The world is busy. Some of you, your houses are so noisy. You've got kids running all over the house. Kids wake you up at 5 a.m. Wake you up all a.m.s and p.m.s, don't they? But I'll tell you what. God says, retreat from that and be still. Like, know that God is going to work in your heart and know that He is God. When you know that He is God and that He is with you, that you're His friend, friendship means that He's for you. God is for you. So you're looking at your life and you're seeing things crumble apart around you. God is still for you. He will be exalted in your life. Psalm 25.14 says that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him and He makes known to them His covenant or the secrets of His covenant. He, he makes known to them. The friendship of the Lord is for who? It's not for everybody. Not everybody is a friend of God. He says the friendship of the Lord is for those who will fear Him. Man, what, I've always been uncomfortable when I read that, don't you? Like, you read that verse and you're like, I feel bad that I'm not afraid today. And and maybe I should be shaking. I want you to consider something. The God of the universe, who has put this earth in orbit, He has put our entire solar system in orbit, and the thousands upon thousands, probably millions upon millions of stars out in our galaxy, and everything is spinning, and everything is happening, and he, He lets the sun come up every day for you. He makes it happen every day. And he takes care of you, and he takes care of your soul, he takes care of your, uh, everything about you. And, and, and so, here you are, God says, I am this big God, and here you are. I'm a little bit afraid when I consider that power, aren't you? That, there, there's a natural fear. He's holy, he's never once, he can't even look upon sin. In his holiness, he says, I'm going to take care of that too. I'm going to send my own son to die on the cross and I'm going to take care of that so that you can have a friendship with me. And he says, I just want you to fear me. Don't come to me and tell me who I am. You know, Job tried that. Job went before God. Job said, I, you know, Job, he had, if you go read the book of Job, it's an interesting book. Some of you are in, the, in your Bible reading programs. I want you to stay true to that. You're going to learn so much about his character, about his loving kindness. Job, his life was messed up, man. He lost everything that he had, and yet he was still known as the friend of God. And Job went to God and said, Job said, well, you know, I've lost everything. And he's kind of giving God a sob story. And God turns around and says, well, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you whenever I put the stars into place? And, you know, could you imagine having that conversation with God? I'd be like, oh, man, that's what, that's what it is. And so I'm as close to God as I choose to be. 
I have to slow down and I have to fear him. You know what? When I go up a ladder, I fear gravity. Don't you? And if you're on the ladder below me, you fear gravity even more than I do. So true, isn't it? And so I want you to catch it because here's what fear means. Fear means I'm on the 10th rung of the ladder. I don't just walk off because I fear gravity. And you know what God says about your life? If you say that you fear God and you treat your wife like that, you don't fear God. You say that you fear God and you, you haven't talked to him in a month, you don't fear God. Because every decision has got to be based upon that law. The law of gravity says if I walk off this ladder, I'm going to stumble, I'm going to fall, I'm going to be in tremendous pain. The law of the fear of God says if I don't submit to what he says, I'm going to stumble and I'm going to fall and I'm going to be in pain. And you can take every objection that you have unto him. And it's okay. He loves to listen to him. But fear him. You want to be the friend of God? Fear him. This is his word, guys. And it's so powerful. He's given us this. This is his word. Um, how about this one? Make a commitment to be a friend of God. Like, make a commitment. If you have a friendship, you know, in your marriage, if you don't have a commitment, you don't have a marriage. It's just all there is to it. You can work through anything as long as you're committed. Did you catch that? You can work through anything as long as you're committed. Commitment, uh, you can get through it all. And I've watched many people heal many aspects of their life by being committed. You need a commitment to your friendship with God. Your friendship with God will not just happen. And if you're waiting to grow your commitment with God till next Sunday again after this, you're, you're, it's not, you're not going to fill it up enough. You, you need to have more commitment. Um, you've got to be working at it every day. Decide whose friendship you want most. Who do you want to be friends with most? God or somebody else? Over in First Timothy, it says that some people have missed the most important thing in life, that they don't know God. You know, today we live in a world where people know everything about every score of every basketball game, every soccer game, every football game, and every baseball game. They know the market scores. They know the market's up, it's down. They know everything in between. They know the top ten songs. Actually, the top hundred songs. I think most people can quote words after words after words. It's amazing to me. I quoted a song one day in a service, and a guy came up to me afterwards, and he told me who sang it. He says, why don't you let them sing it instead of you? All right? So I said, okay. Um, listen, I, I, it's amazing how our brains work. We, we know all these things. We know celebrities. We know everything, but we don't know God. You know why we don't know God? Because we haven't made the commitment to know Him. Look what James 4 says here. Do you realize that the friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? What? I thought God loved the world. Yeah, He loves the world. But here He's talking about the value system of the world. He says, when you are friends with the, with the world, okay, their value system. What's the, what's the value system of the world? Looking out for number one. And who's number one? Me, right? That's why they made it the iPhone. Wouldn't that be cool if they said, here's the U-phone? Nobody called a U-phone, right? It's the iPhone. We're living in a world that's out of control on this i-business right now. He says, listen, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I'll say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, 
you make yourself an enemy of God. So, listen, you are either going to be the friend of God or you're going to be the friend of the world system. One way or the other. You, the, the two don't, it's like oil and water. They don't match. Like, you, you can't do this. He says, what, what do you think the Scriptures meant? Verse 5, what do you think the Scriptures meant when they said that the Spirit of God placed within us is filled with envy? He's going back and he's referring to the jealous God. He says, what do you think God meant when he's jealous? But he gives us this grace to stand against the evil desires. Listen, against the evil desires, against the things that are, are, are tugging at you, because you're following God does not mean that you don't see all this down here. It, doesn't mean, it does not mean that, that you are not tempted. He says, God gives more grace to stand against that. And as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Did you hear that? God opposes the proud. You will never be a spiritual growing person with pride. God doesn't compete with your pride. Your ego is no match for the creator of the universe. Every time you get a little proud, just start thinking about them stars falling out of the sky. You try to control that. Or when the media says there's an asteroid that might hit a city or something, oh man, I got complete faith. My God's got all that covered, man. I don't have to fret over all that stuff. I, don't go to him in pride. How many times have we gone to God and said, God, I have done this. Therefore, you owe me a blessing. And quite often we do that. We do it subconsciously. We do it with, with an arrogance. And God says, listen, don't come to me in arrogance. Don't come to me in pride. He says he opposes. Like, do you want to be on the other side of the God who's holding the universe together? I don't want to be on the other side of that. That's why I fear him. That's why I respect him. He says, he says, humble yourself. Look here, verse 7. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself. So you come before God and you say, okay, God, you, I get it. You're the creator. You got it figured out. I don't. And I have to do that every morning. Because at, by, by about 3 o'clock, sometimes I think I got it figured out. And I have to come back and repent. God reminds me every day, though. He keeps reminding me, you're just, just remember who you serve. God doesn't serve me, I serve God. And remember that in your life. You don't, you serve God, God doesn't serve you. But I'll tell you what, when you serve Him, it's amazing what He does. He transforms your life. Now here's, this is, this, this is a prescription, like, that, that can change your life. Humble yourself before God, resist the devil. Why do we have to resist the devil? Because he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Do you know what God, you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your heart. He wants to keep you far from him. He wants to keep you far from God. He wants, he wants you to no longer drink of the well of living water. Because he knows it puts him to shame. He knows, listen, everything that Satan offers is a cheap trick. Cheap trick, folks. Don't fall for it. Humble yourself in the Spirit of the Lord. Go before God and say, God, I am your friend. I know that you are for me. You died for me. God, I come before you today. And he says, resist the devil. So that means when you're tempted, you don't just say, oh, well, I do what it feels good. You resist it. Like, do you ever resist somebody? Like, you know? Well, I won't go there. But, you know. You hear that term, resisting arrest, right? 
You resist it. Like, you shake it off. You run from it. He says, resist the devil and he, the devil will flee from you. But not if you're proud and think you can handle it on your own. You know what? None of us can handle this on our own. God opposes the proud. I don't want to be on the other side of that. I want to be on that side. I want to be on the God side. And so resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. The very next verse. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He says, come and cleanse. Get get right before God. The scriptures tell us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Jesus himself said, no man can serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other. Like, you, you can't do it. And so I want to encourage you today. Make your commitment to God. And your commitment has got to be with Him. To, to, to follow Him and to remain in Him. Uh, number four this morning is to pray all the time. Pray all the time. You know, over in John chapter 15, verse 9, he said, Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain, abide in my love. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Do you want to be filled with the joy of the Lord? Remain in this relationship. Remain friends with God. Remain in His love. He says, and if you're my friends, you're going to obey me. You're going to do what I've told you to do. So remain there and let your joy be overflowing. If your joy level is down, let me tell you what to check. It's not your circumstances, because your circumstances will always be bad. you catch that? Look to your neighbor right now and say, circumstances are always bad. Go. Always bad. Always bad. Now, that's not because of them. <laughs> but they're always bad. He says, obey me and you will always have joy. Pray all the time. Remain in Him. Pray all the time. Uh, I'm going to give you this verse here. I, I love memorizing short verses of the Bible. The first verse I memorized was John 11:35. Jesus wept. This is the second verse. 1 Thessalonians 5:17. Pray without ceasing. Hopefully, you just memorized those two verses too. You're pretty smart. I, I'm going to. I, I memorize this in three translations. Never stop praying. The third one says, "Pray all the time." Aren't you smart? You just memorized them too. Take a picture of it. Put it on your phone. Uh, listen, pray all the time. God says, I want you to always be in, in, in continuing relationship with me. I always want you to be with me. I, I want you to talk. You know, when you hold a text conversation, could you imagine if you talk to God as much as you text? You would be so spiritual. would have super Christian on your shirt. And you know what? That's what prayer is. You get to talk to God. Man of the day. And God's going to talk back. He's going to get back to you. God, I need you. He says, yep, I'm here for you. Man, it's so cool. I love it. Um, how much better would your life be if you, text, if you talk as much, talk to God as much as you text? And then lastly this morning is to trust God in your pain. Trust God even in pain. You know, this is the moment when many people leave God is when pain arrives. But pain actually produces growth. Would you say that? Pain produces growth. 
Why would God allow pain to come into your life? Because he's growing you. Pain produces growth. You know, one of the hardest things is, you know, about anything is the sacrifice that we must make for it. Jesus sacrificed for you. There was tremendous pain. Look here, Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. He says, cast your care. Throw it down. Like, like drop it. That's what God says. Come before God and take your care and drop it on Him. And look what He says. When you do, He will sustain you. You know what many people do whenever the pain comes? They run from God. They ask 30 people to pray and never pray themselves. Do you ever see it on, somebody put something on, on social media, pray? Hundreds of people hit pray. I wonder if they're really praying. And so God's called us to pray. He's called us to be in this conversation. He says, cast your care. When that, when that is overwhelming, don't run from God. Run to God. Like, this is the first place. And it doesn't wait till next Sunday. It's every day. Because, listen, if you're waiting till next Sunday, that's like only having lunch today and waiting till next Sunday to have lunch. Would you do that? I mean, maybe I should, but, you know. I, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do that. You have lunch then you can have dinner. And God says, I want you to pray and I want you to talk to me all day. As, as we close today, we're going we're gonna to close with communion. I'm going to ask the men that are serving communion to please prepare the elements now. And as they come and serve, serve you this morning, as they come and, and bring this to you, I'm just going to ask you to, to hold the element until everyone has been served. And as we do this this morning, I want, want to remind you of, uh, of how important God's friendship with you is. The very reason you were created was to be the friend of God. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. And uh, he says that the very reason that you were created, the very reason you were created was to be the friend of God. Oh, this morning I want, want to encourage you with that. Cast all your care on him. As you're holding that piece of bread, would you look at that piece of bread and remember what Jesus did for you and thank Him this morning? And would you, would you dump all your care on Him right now? Remember how much He loves you. He came to this earth to, to do that. Would you, would you dump that right now? Like, do what this verse says. Cast your care. Dump it on Him. He will sustain you. Let, let me tell you, You can't sustain yourself. God will sustain you. Cast your care on Him. The Apostle Paul... Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It tells us this. He said, The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Folks, this morning I want to remind you the communion answers two important questions. Number one, do I matter to God? 
Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. It was broken. He did this for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that you have broken your body for us. That that night when you took that bread, you ripped it and you gave it to those disciples and you said, this is my body, which is broken for you. God, I'm so thankful that I matter to you, that every person in this room matters to you because you did this for every one of us, for each one of us personally. God, we love you. We say thank you. We ask your blessing upon this, this sacrifice, upon the symbol of your sacrifice, your broken body. In your name we pray. Amen. He also took the cup. Gentlemen, you may serve the congregation. He took the cup. He was at this meal. It was a Passover meal. They were celebrating the Passover. God had released the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he told them, he says, I want you to once a year have this feast. And what it was, was a, it was a celebration of what God did. And they remember the Passover. What happened was there was all these plagues that came upon the Egyptians. And God said, I'm going to mark the house of all, all my people, all the people of Israel, the, 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 the people of God. He says, if you'll put the blood, on, put blood of a lamb on this doorpost, on the top and on the sides, he says, this is the final, final judgment that's coming. If you have that blood on, the judgment will pass over you. It was the death angel. And he says, listen, the death angel will pass over your house. And so what did God do for us? He, told, he said, I want you to remember my Passover. So when Jesus was there, he says, I'm the lamb. That was me. I'm the blood on the doorpost. So he rips up the, the bread. He says, eat this, guys, and remember me. Like, remember me. Don't remember the Passover death angel. Remember my blood. And look what he says here. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He says, I want you to remember the new covenant, the new agreement, the new a covenant is relationship, the new friendship with God and man. Let's thank him for this this morning. God, as you, in that Passover meal, bless the juice you pulled up the cup and you said thank you father for allowing me your son he's thanking you for allowing you for the privilege that he had to pay for our sin and he said to always remember you this way God as we celebrate and we worship you I pray that each one in this room this morning will celebrate that relationship their friendship with God in your name we pray so glad that you're here today. Would you stand up together? Would you turn to the person around you in front of you say, hey, nice to meet you, friend, but I am a friend of God.